We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Jack Manuel here for another Brooklyn Buzz, but I've got two of my favorite people in Nets world join with me. The Kings themselves, Saint and AJ of Nets Kingdom. Fellas, how are we doing? What's up, man? Glad to be here, man. You know I love you guys. Brooklyn Buzz all the way. What up, Jack? Where's Nick? <laughs> Nick, look, we were chatting beforehand about me being engaged in that life there. Nick's obviously the father of Netsworld. Obviously, there's a lot of fathers in Netsworld, but he's got little baby Nico to take care of. So I'm stepping in. I'll do my best in the hosting <laughs> duties. But I got we got news, guys. We actually got Nets news. And you know, AJ sent this to me in the DMs. Nick sent this to me in the DMs. The Nets have signed a guy. The Nets signed former Portland Trailblazer Trenton Watford to a non-guaranteed one-year deal. AJ, how do you feel about this signing? Um, I was very high on on Watford, man. I mean, he's a – I guess you would say he's a power forward. A lot of people kind of say like a hybrid wing power forward, some like similar to Baisley. Um, 6'9", he has like – he can dribble. Like he can take bigger um, bigs off the dribble. Um, he's a good at rebounding and then he can post up. He has a post up back, back post game and then he can shoot the three. Now I don't think he's like a super threat from three, even though like, I think he had a good percentage last year. Yeah. 39. But I think it was 39. Yeah. I think it was, but he's not like a super threat, but he can shoot that three. Like if you leave him open, he'll take it and he can make it. Um, so yeah, like similar to, he's similar to Nas Reed, but a lesser Nas Reed, if that makes sense. Like you could see us putting him at like a small ball five. Uh, more than yeah, he's more of like a small ball five power forward than a uh, wing in my eyes. Dan, how do you feel? Well, I'm not gonna lie, I get tunnel vision. I don't have a lot of time, so when I watch basketball, I mainly watch the Nets. And then, yeah. unless I'll learn about a player when they play us, I didn't know anything about him. But when I looked into him, and I saw six nine power forward, I saw everything that AJ just said. The first thought that popped in my head was DFS replacement. Mm. I feel that. I, I, I don't know why. I don't know why that was what I mean. That's a good point. I'm kind, And I'm not saying anything's going to happen, but it was just the first thought that I had where it was like some of these moves obviously were to get younger, more athletic, attacking the basket. Uh, we did lose some shooting, but I see also 
you basically this guy very similar body types like yeah. um i you know and it wouldn't surprise me if the nets tried to even go lower you know or yeah. maybe there is a trade that is still coming maybe a hero who knows like maybe dfs i'm sure you can't tell me teams are not interested in dfs still because they they yeah. totally so i don't know it, it just i like it though because it does give us a little bit more depth at that four um we've argued back and forth should be a a, a four should it be a five like i do like that it's a guy that can play the power forward position because i always felt that was like one position that just kind of whoever was supposed to put you know what i mean like it just kind of like we threw whoever in there yeah uh, yeah, I think when it comes to Watford, I think he sort of fits the mold of what you sort of all of you guys were sort of talking about in that he can be a DFS replacement, but even if he's not, I think he can be a pretty solid replacement to him. And, you know, the three point shooting, you know, he can create a little bit for himself, the rebounding, he's six nine. I think it's sort of like, well, the Nets couldn't sign a Dario Saric. They're not going to trade for a Bobby Portis or, or one of these sort of guys. And they couldn't get a Mo Bamba. They weren't in the Christian Woods out there. Christian Wood, obviously, <laughs> yeah. is still out there. So I, whether they decide to still go for a center, but I think this is sort of what the Nets is, like that middle ground. And I think Watford being only, you know, heading into his age 23 season, fits the sort of style and the direction that the Nets seem to be heading. You know, with obviously Dennis Smith in his mid-20s, only Walker in his mid-20s, Darius Baisley in his early to mid-20s. So this is a new direction for the Nets. And as... Saint was alluding to whether that means a Royce and or DFS are on the way out. We heard plenty of rumors, you know, in the in and leading up to the draft and post that. But obviously, the Nets were getting the package in return that they probably wanted. But I think those deals will still be available come February, come trade deadline, and by that point, we could see Watford stepping up. But I wanted to ask you guys overall about these sort of low key sort of signs that we've seen. You know, Lonnie Walker, Dennis Smith Jr., Darius Baisley, and now Trinidad Watford. I'm going to be tweeting this out tomorrow, but I want to hear from you guys directly. Out of those guys, who do you think was the best signing? Or is it sort of you know, a bit of a wash? You know, I, I I don't really know the answer. I kind of have my own thoughts, but I wanted to hear from you guys who you think is the best sort of low-value signing, who could exceed that value, who could be on the nets, who could be a genuine part of the rotation going forward in 23-24. Yeah, to me, I think my favorite signings were the Dennis Smith, and then I'm going to go with this Watford signing. Those are my two guys that I think probably got me the most excited because we needed somebody at that backup point guard position to fill that role. And I think what I saw from Dennis Smith um, on the Hornets, he's a great um, point of attack defender, and then he can play make at that point guard position. So he can come off the bench and be effective. And then as for Watford, um, I think that he can – he has a very, very high potential, high ceiling. I know it's not going to, like, rock the boat in the East, you know, because we're still going to be mid. <laughs> we're still going to be a mid-team. But I just think that his he has, he's more of, like, a big body guy that can rebound, and then he can um, shoot and, pull, and post up. And that's, like, a dimension that we don't really have, like, a guy that can have that skill set that can post up, shoot to three, and rebound. Like, that skill set is, like, what we need on this team. And, and then with Sean Marks, I feel like it's a lot of redundancy because all these guys are, like, similar. We have, like, a 1,000 wings. <laughs> um, so that, all these guys are 6'8", you know, off the bench. And then we have, like, a guard rotation of Cam Thomas, Lonnie, Dennis Smith. And it's like, you know, it's just – I don't know what direction it is, but it's how the rotations are going to work. But it's just – I'm not too high on it, but, I like, those are my two favorite guys. 
Okay, just something that AJ just said. If yeah. you go back, I gotta. I wish I could pull the clip again. Yeah. It, but this sticks in my head that Sean Mark said that he was basically getting a bunch of players. I'm, I'm yeah. paraphrasing here. He's basically getting a bunch of players going to play the season and see who wants to be here. Like he, he alluded to something saying those kind of words where he really wanted to like see who was going to be here long term. We got a lot of exciting guys. We'll see who stays, who fits. So to me, that kind of like illuminated like he's not really trying to do anything right now, but just see with what they got. Right, because everybody is that same similar age. Couple guys are, you know, twenty-seven. What our oldest is thirty. Yeah. So I feel like he's just throwing. Crap. Yeah, it's so and, much and low risk, just, high reward guys. And so he's much low gonna, risk, high reward. Yeah, and the good thing though, I will say, is that a lot of these guys can not be back on the team the following season. Uh, One-year deals. We have a lot of great. I'll. I'll I'll give credit there. There's a lot of easily tradable contracts still on our team with the exception of Ben Simmons, but that's a whole other thing. But if I'm picking players, I liked with AJ, the Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, I thought that was a great pickup, um, having a, a point of attack guard, point guard that can distribute, can get down, can attack the basket. Like uh, I hope he's better at that, dealing with that than Dinwiddie has been. Um, hopefully that moves Dinwiddie a little bit away from that spot, assuming Ben Simmons comes back and is and a, and a great like point forward or whatever you want to call him. Um, but for me, it was more I, I after looking in today's, I do like today's pickup, but I do I do think low key pe- some people are underrating the Lonnie Walker pickup mm. because I I watched that guy you know because I'm out here in California and I, I I do get to see a lot of Laker games. And there were some games where Lonnie just went off, like, in scoring. And then that's the other thing, like, because people like, well, we got rid of Seth, a shooter. We got rid of Joe, a shooter. We got rid of Patty, whatever you want to call him, right? Like, we did lose some shooting, whether that had been effective for us really at all during the last few seasons at the crucial moment. But I think, for me, Lonnie is another one of those guys that's highly athletic, can get a bucket, can create for himself, does seem to play good team basketball, at least from what I watched. I, I think in this system, with an opportunity, I think is better for him than it was with the Lakers, right? Like, the Lakers needed their scores. They're always like, who's the hot hand? And they would ride the hot hand and flip it out. I, I'm, I'm excited to see how he plays with this team. Like... Yeah. I would go D, D, Dennis Smith, then Lonnie, and then today's as my favorite. Yeah, look, to, to make an argument for, for Darius Baisley, I think I'd probably go with what you guys are sort of saying as well, because of what those guys do provide in terms of the specialized skill set. You know, DSJ with his defense, Lonnie Walker with his offensive creation, and Twin Watford as a guy who genuinely provides a need for the Nets as a rebounder and shooter at that sort of 4-5 position. But Darius Baisley is sort of just this really raw prospect and athlete that I think with now the new the new assistant coaching hires could be unlocked into something going forward. Now, he's shown glimpses here and there in, in OKC, and I just think that athleticism is something that it can be, can be turned into something where, like, there's a bit of skill that goes with that because raw athlete only gets you so far. I think 
it, it's it's a good direction for the Nets in terms of guys with wingspan, guys with a bit of speed, because I think that they're gonna have to do that you know, to just move, be a really quick team, you know, be a defensive sort of oriented team to move two, two ways. And I think Baisley fits into that. And a couple more things on Watford. Eric Slater, who did a piece for Clutch Points, picked this out from Zach Lowe uh, in one of his columns. He said that Portland has something in Watford. He's providing steady work at power forward and has a very undersized setup. Watford reads the game and moves his suite well enough to switch some on defense. He fights on the glass. He has gorgeous touch on floaters that is most useful after catching pocket passes. Watford probably tops out as a solid backup, but that's a nice find. And and as well, like looking at the comments of like Mike Scotto and, and everyone that was in, you know posting about this, there were so many Portland Trailblazers fans that were upset about losing him. So I think yeah. both of those things, when you hear one of the smart basketball minds say some really positive things about this really young player, like I'm pretty sure he's younger than Jalen Wilson. And also the fact that, you know, Portland Trailblazers fans, in a similar way to, you know, Toronto about with you to Watsonabe, how they were really sad to see him go. I think that's a positive sign. Yeah, so just to cap it off with Trent Watford, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about him. I'm, I'm looking at itching to get into the table. Definitely been watching, you know, what AJ posted on Twitter as well. And I think this guy can genuinely give us something because if you're looking at the Nets undersized five, DFS was okay there. And I think the numbers reflect that he was pretty good there, but I think the eye test left a little bit to be desired. Dayron Sharp is a, a backup big. Noah Clowney has a ways to go. I honestly think that if you have flexibility with DFS and Trenton Watford and maybe Dayron Sharp makes a leap, just having some guys to throw some different looks out there and the fact that Watford can switch a little bit means he can play alongside a Klax as well. So I think that gives him a little bit of versatility too. I like it also because we don't have to put Ben at the five like this. We have enough height yep. now where we don't have to put Ben at the five no more because Ben is not a five. We we tried doing that last year, and that's not – let him be on the perimeter. Let him guard the perimeter. Let him be a point guard, and that's it. You know, <laughs> don't put him at a big man position. Like, you know, now we have Watford and DFS and um, Baisley, these guys that could, you know – play you know Deshaun Marks he wants to play small ball he's a small ball king even so though he gonna... said like in yeah. April when the season ended we need to get some big guys we need some size it's <laughs> yeah. just like we need, I, we need that grit yeah all right trying to watch for six nine I guess that kind of counts it's probably the only big signing because then up to that, that that point it was guard 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 and Darius Baisley who's a bit of a wing but I want to ask you overall about the roster guys because as it stands this is what it kind of is you know and I'll go through it you know Spencer Dimwini, DSJ, Mikhail, Cam Thomas, Lonnie Walker, and Amani Brooks, Cam Johnson, Royce O'Neal, Trenton Watford, Jalen Wilson, Ben Simmons, DFS, and Baisley, Nick Claxton, Darren Sharp, Noah Clowney. Now, there's it's not the perfect roster by any means, but Saint, how are you feeling about this roster overall? Obviously, there's a I think so one more two way. There's some exhibit tents, some training camp invites that can sort of be thrown out there where the Nets could add something else, but. As it currently stands, how would you surmise the current Nets roster? I'm not even going to get into the whole mid and this. Like, okay, I, I'm just not going to, like, okay. So for me, I, I had to come to reality of lowered spec expectations of what this next season product was going to be. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that this roster is trash by any means. There's a lot of, there's a lot of like projects, which kind of gives me some excitement, right? Because you do see, after watching a lot of the highlights of some of these guys coming in, you can see where uh, 
they excel. You can see where they need work. And like, I'm excited for that because they are young enough and they do something very well, each and each person that's on the team. I'm more actually back to, back to, I'm trying to remember what season that would be. You'd probably have to help me out. When, it's like 17, 18, the D-Lows. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like the, yeah. The, I was going to say that where, team. Where, yeah. where it was like, you knew you weren't going to win anything but you saw the team progressing towards something, right? And then it would put itself in a position to either be an attraction for a star, you'd get lucky maybe on something, but that's where I'm kind of at now. So I'm looking at, I'm actually looking at this as excitement because I'm excited to see how these group of players play together. And what's really got me excited is the coaching staff. Like, it, it, I feel a lot better about this year's coaching staff than I have since Steve Nash became coaching. Like, even when we had Ime and D'Antoni, it still bothered me, right? Because at the end of the day, it was Sean Marks and Steve Nash. And you could tell it was, you could tell. I, it just, I had no enjoyment. And now I'm back to being excited. Like, overall, I'm okay with, with what's going on because it's, it's clear. Like we're not, we're not selling, but we're also not going all in. So you're, you are, he, they are putting out a team that has a potential to be very exciting defensively. I think they're going to be disgusting. I really do. Like, I think they're going to be one of the best defensive teams in the league. It just, how the rest of it translate with offense, that's going to be yet to be seen. But I mean, I don't know if I was talking in circles there, but I'm actually, overall, I'm okay. I, I mean, you finally got rid of players that you were supposed to. We've already went over that. You got younger. You got more athletic. You freed up some money. You allowed yourself to stay flexible for any trade possibility. You didn't give up all your picks. I was one of those people that didn't want them to go all in on Dame or some older aging guy with a big contract, whether he had a couple seasons or not. I wanted to go into this next season of being patient and being there for the right opportunity when it presents itself. And I feel like they've done that. Um, so for me, overall, I'm okay and happy with it. I'm just, I'm ready to start getting things going and see how, how it pans out. Like, no. I don't know if that, that answers the question, no. but that's kind of... Absolutely, absolutely. And, and AJ, I guess I'll ask you, because there's this Tyler Hero, Damian Lillard sort of trade hanging over everything, and you guys have discussed it a lot. Everyone who has some form of Nets platform has discussed it a lot. And it sort of feels like it might be somewhat incomplete and it could change you know, all of our feelings about this team. Because if the Nets were to add Tyler Hero to the roster that I just discussed, I'd be like, man, like I'm more excited than I was about you know, D'Lo, Jared Allen, Karis And I had a lot of fun with those teams. Because I think that what Tyler Hero would provide is obviously as I alluded to with Trent and Watford, giving the Nets the skill set that they need, the Nets need offense badly, and Tyler Hero would maybe become the Nets' best you know, offensive skill, offensively skilled player. So I guess, how would you feel if I were to add Tyler Hero to that list that I just alluded to with the Nets' roster, AJ? And obviously, you'd probably throw out whether it's Spencer or DFS or whoever else in between, but Tyler Hero added to, to the roster, would that make you much higher more excited than sort of what Sane is alluding to oh yeah yeah it would make me a lot more excited i mean i think tyler hero fits perfectly with this team because 
we know he's not the best defender, but you sur- you're surrounding him with great defense. You know what I'm saying? And I would probably, I think we talked about me and Saint and Jay talked about this. Like, I think I would give up Spence or um, try to flip one of our young guys pay a pick and maybe Spence um, to get Tyler Hero if it was possible. You know what I'm saying? Like a first round if it was possible because you're surrounding him with defense. You, we need the scoring. Mikhail is going to get double teamed. CJ is going to have to step up. We don't know what CJ is going to do, but he's going to have to step up and give us more buckets. And we're going to need that third guy or maybe the second guy. We're going to need a guy that we can give the ball to in the last moments to get buckets and to be clutch and kind of take the pressure off Mikhail and, and CJ. And I think Tyler Hero is perfect for this, man. I mean, I would love Tyler. It would make me more excited because right now I think – my expectations are so low. I just think like, I'm just like, okay, this is a team. Like I'm, I'm going into this, like it's 2018, 2019. Like, okay, we have a mid team, but we have a high reward team where it could go great for us. If things work out, you know, if this team goes full throttle. And of course, if Ben Simmons is incredible, that's what I'm most excited about. I want to see if Ben Simmons, if Ben Simmons actually is Ben Simmons, that's probably going to make me more excited, but I like this team. Um, the only thing I w- would probably change was the I would be more I want a rebounding big um backup big I know we we signed these wings and these young pieces but it's like just a more vet solidified backup big would be more that I like a center a guy six eleven big body that could rebound I would probably want that on this roster but yeah yeah look I feel probably similar to sort of you guys I think because. As the same as alluded to, the stakes are, are drastically lower to what they have been with KD, Kyrie, and those sort of and, and James Harden, those super teams, where almost the mental toll that it took on us, you know, as as fans and as 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 podcasters and as, as as content creators, it was just like, man, like now it feels like that games one to eighty two are just gonna be a ride and we're just gonna be going for it and we're gonna be enjoying it. It's not gonna be like a roller coaster, but it's gonna be one of those fun little teacup rides that spins a little bit every now and then. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's wrong. I don't I don't know. No, but dude, you have to like okay, it's to to play on that analogy, it's like think about the time when you were a kid and you would go to certain places and the rides would just seem bigger than life and then you go back there as an adult and you're just like like you just said it's like just and you're like oh man and you gotta readjust your your expectations you've got it like i'm a nets fan i'll always be a nets fan i love the nets even when they have shitty teams so i just think depending on you know if how long you've been a fan i think you're used to doing that i think it's harder for a lot of newer nets fans that just came on in brooklyn I think it's tough for some of them because they're a lot younger. They're the generation of everything has to be win, everything has to be the best, and they're not used to the to the losing. They're not used to having to go from here to go all the way down to the bottom and start over. And it that's why I went on a little hiatus from like Twitter and Spaces. I just like, all right, I'm gonna just go do my thing. But during that time, I just it re it re uh, calibrated. How I viewed the Nets, how I viewed these current players, how I viewed Sean Marks, how I viewed the ownership, where I just kind of like, I, I I need to take a whole new approach in looking at this and kind of, I don't want to say like give them a pass, so to speak, but just kind of like, hey, this is what we got. 
they've got a game plan. You can see something different with the coaching staff. I don't think that Sean Marks has just been the only one picking these guys out because that's the other thing I, I see people do all the time. Oh, Sean Marks. It's like, well, I, you can't tell me that Jock Vaughn and other people, and, the, and when you look at the type of coaches we got, I think a lot of these players fit perfectly for these coaches' styles and what they want to implement. Getting younger, you're getting Kevin Ollie in there, that's going to be speak volumes to a to a younger player, a guy that just was winning in college. Now he's here. He's got the NBA experience. I just readjusting your whole view on it. This still can be a fun season. Good things can still happen. Um, you just you got to reevaluate and reassess and, and put yourself in the right perspective. Speaking of those expectations you alluded to, Saint, the the power rankings, there's obviously going to be power rankings everywhere, but ESPN put theirs out, and I think it's it sort of alludes nicely, and it's a nice segue. The Nets were 19th overall, and I counted the Eastern Conference teams, and they were 7th behind the Atlanta Hawks, you know, just ahead of the, the Raptors and the Bulls, or the Bulls and the Raptors, can't remember what the exact order was. Are those fair expectations for the Nets next season, to sort of fight for a playoff spot, be in that sort of playing race, or should the Nets, should we be high on the Nets? You know, the talk about Ben Simmons, you know, we'll get to him in a little bit. The talk about Tyler Hero. Like, there's a chance that if all things kind of click, the Nets could be better than the Hawks and could be around. Obviously, I don't see them being a top four seed by any stretch of the imagination. Those are four of the best teams in the NBA. But that's sort of five, six range they could push towards because in the regular season where games matter and being available matters, Mikael Bridges never misses. He's always there. And think that availability in comparison, you know, KD, Kyrie, injuries, uh, whatever you also want to call, the Nets could be, you know, fighting for that sort of playoff spot. Are those expectations fair, AJ? Uh, yeah, I think those are fair expectations. Like, I expected us to be at least an eighth playing team um, going into this year. Now that I've seen the roster, barring any, any changes. Now, if Ben Simmons is Ben Simmons, I think that could elevate us and and to probably like a high pushing to six, but not really six, if that makes sense, pushing to succeed in the East. Um, and then if you add Tyler Hero, I think we could be a um, push that six to five. But um, as standing, I think we're a playing team right now. I think they got it right. Like, I don't see us being bad. I don't see, I see us fighting for a seven or eight seed right now. Um, all things going to me. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. That's kind of, yeah. well, I mean, 
Barring that nothing else changes, we go into the season with this squad. You've got a lot of what-ifs. What's going to be the coaching scheme? How are they going to run this team? How is Ben Simmons going to play in there? Got a lot of these upside guys. Um, I kind of just had in my mind like six to nine range, depending on like what could happen. And AJ kind of alluded to that, where it's just like defensively, I'm not like for the first time in a long time, I'm not worried about this team defensively. Yes, the rebounds. I think rebounding's defensive rebounding is the biggest thing I'm worried about as far as defense. But outside of that, I'm not worried. Like, I'm really not worried about the defense. And I know they're going to give teams fits. And this is where I think we saw it last season. And I still think this will be the make or break of where we fall in that six to nine range is like, who's going to be that other scorer? Who's going to step up? Um, Because there were so many games after that trade that we did great defensively and at moments kept it very close then we just couldn't score. And, and and granted, it was a thrown-together team. We knew they weren't practicing. Like, it literally was just everything was on the fly, coaching, the players. I mean, so I get that, right? I'm hoping with this offseason that you see a lot of that shored up and guys are actually put in their right place. Um, enough of this, like, just – randomly throwing people out or putting in players that clearly don't belong on the floor over other players. If we go into this next season where they definitely have like a pretty solid game plan and guys are kind of set where they're supposed to be for the most part, I don't see why we could easily be a seventh or an eighth. Like, because not many other teams got that, like, who really improved massively? How many teams improved massively over last season in the East? Yeah, I mean, the only team, like, when you sort of... I don't the Celtics, think to, right? But throw, yeah, the Celtics. I'd say the Pacers is the team that are in that sort of same realm as, as us yeah. with the Raptors and the Bulls. Yeah. Adding a Bruce Brown, who we know plenty about. And I think the internal growth of Tyrese Halliburton, who I genuinely believe is an all-star, if not a fringe all-NBA player, still very, very young. And... Just the, the the growing development of that in a similar way to what we expect from the Nets. Like, what do we expect with the growth out of Nick Claxton, who's apparently shooting threes now? Um, or who, what do we expect from, you know, obviously the the big question mark with Ben Simmons, Mikhail Bridges, who we'll, we'll discuss in a little bit. And I think the number one thing, as you alluded to, Sam, uh, Nick and I discussed this as well. It's like, we both expect this team to be at minimum top 10, if not top eight, maybe top five defense or higher. But it's the offense. Like, if you're average like top 15 the nets are gonna be you know around that sort of six range if they are bottom 10 that's where it gets a little bit trickier and i think as you alluded to as you both alluded to the coaching and the the settled nature of where the team and the franchise currently is should hopefully impact positively on that there actually is some training camps there is some offensive schemes implemented because it felt like at least at the earlier portions when cam and Cam J and, and, and Mikael came. It's just like, let's do the same KD Kyrie shit, but with these guys. And it just doesn't work. Well, Mikael Bridges isn't Kevin Durant. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. that got a little bit better at different points in time. But I just think that the neck the Nets really lack some offensive dynamism and some offensive creativity and imagination. And I think that yeah. that's where lack of talent in the offensive realm needs to be made up by a bit of creativity here or there, the ball movement, the cuts, 
you know, the 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 off ball sort of stuff and, and you know, screening and rolling, all the the different little X's and O's that I'm not, you know, the biggest wizard about, but you know, the guys who get paid to do it, you know, the the Ronnie Burrells and all these sort of people behind the scenes, you know, Jacques Vaughn, that's where I think the Nets have to make up some ground if they're gonna be, you know, a solidified playoff team at six and even that seven to sort of ten range where there will be a little bit of competition. I I think the Nets have the best roster overall, you know, maybe with the paces. I'm oddly high on the paces, but I think the Raptors will take a step back. The Bulls, it'll be about, you know, Zach Levine and how healthy he is and, and DeMar DeRozan and, and this sort of same sort of thing. But yeah, I'm 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 comfortable with where the Nets are at. And I think some people might be too high or too low, but that's where, you know, the middle ground and sort of going, yeah, I think that these are the sort of things that can take them to being that much higher. That's what their ceiling is. And and their floor, I don't think, is is very low. You know, the sort of the range of floor to ceiling, as AJ was sort of alluding to, isn't great. But that's also probably good for a lot of our mental health at the same time. But there's enough there. But there's enough there that if the right of all the little things that we're talking about kind of get shored up, which I don't think are high expectations. I don't. I don't think like what we have and what the coaching staff is. I think. There's no reason we can't get into the playoffs, whether it's seven, whether it's playing. Like, I definitely think this current team, if it predominantly stays healthy and it doesn't really change, could still get in there. Whether, you know, then the first round, second, that's a completely different conversation. How long we last in the playoffs is another conversation. But I think there's enough there that they could very well do what they did last season. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't I don't see why that's not uh, I think that's very doable. Ab- not ab- I, not not idea, but no, yeah. to- absolutely and completely. And we've discussed this name a lot. And AJ, you've got the floor. Ben Simmons discuss the BS report brought to you by <laughs> Ned. The BS report is back, ladies and gentlemen. And Nick and I actually got some things bringing back the BS report oh, as well. But the, the BS report this week is brought to you by Nets Kingdom. Make sure you subscribe to Nets Kingdom on YouTube. <laughs> There. Shout out to oh, shout out to Nick because I was on Twitter and I saw Nick do a little tweet and it said, "What were your the best special moments you thought about Ben Simmons this season?" <laughs> and I was, I had to think back. I'm like, hmm, the special moments besides him uh, bailing on the team, getting injured, you know, people <laughs> people making fun of him, all this. Um, there were five games. Five, six games. Uh, I think it was six, six games. games I remember bad. tweeting it out. Actually, I'm going to find my tweet. You was it six keep, games? You keep going off. I, I've got five, it. Yeah. I five or six. Okay, five or six games where we saw the flashes of Ben. We saw the Ben that we all wanted to see. The defense was on point. He was playmaking, getting the eight assists, and he was being aggressive and going to the rim. We saw that from him. So it's like, why can't we just bottle that up and put it in 70 or more games? You know what I'm saying? And... This is what I was concerned about with Sean Marks making this roster. Like so much is reliant on how Ben is going to play because if Ben gets hurt or Ben is not Ben, we're go down. We're a little bit. I'm not going to say we're cooked, but it it just steadily decreases our value of a team. You know what I'm saying? Because he's a re- everything kind of like centers on how good he is. You know, I don't think without him, because like I said, we need a point guard, and with Spencer. Spencer, you know how Spencer is. He's going to give us those assists, but it's here or there. You know, he's not really a true point guard. I think Ben is the true point guard that Nets fans want, but he just he just doesn't have the confidence. 
he doesn't have the confidence anymore and his injuries and it's just it's it's just a ticking bomb kind of kind of thing but if we could put the patch on the bomb and put it away in the vault and then Ben could be Ben that's what we're all hoping for but it's it's just a huge if because we go through the deja vu every single year is Ben going to do this? Is Ben going to be good? I think Sixers fans go through it too. Is Ben going to be the um, the all-star? Is Ben going to shoot? Is Ben going to be aggressive? But it's always a question mark. So it's like, it's frustrating at the same time, but it's like, I have a little bit of hope. I have a, <laughs> a little bit of hope that Ben's going to be Ben. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, before you jump in, saying I eventually found it. Six game stretch in November. These were the numbers. 15.5 points, 82% from the field, 6.8 rebounds, 5.8 assists, 1.3 mm-hmm. steals, 1.2 blocks. Now, the, the, obviously the field goal percentage there is what's probably the lofty thing, but I, I don't think that the rest of those numbers are out of the realms of possibility. If you give me Ben Simmons 60, 65 games, 15, 5, and 5, I'd be so freaking happy. Am, am happy I being... Too. Too optimistic, too pessimistic, Sam? What do you no, think of I, that? I mean, let's be honest. I think majority of people didn't have a problem with his play other except offensively. Yeah. Right? I think, like, he's, I think he lost something like, defensively he, with his... No, no, he did. Yeah. But what I'm, I guess, okay, let me clarify that. What I'm saying is there were a lot of times that even outside of those games, he played good defense on players. Like... And he still was grabbing some rebounds. He still was getting some assists. But his offense was just gone. Like, and it was obvious. Like, real timid on shots, backing in, trying to dish the ball. Like, even, I mean. He's playing scared. Yeah. Like, and you could tell. Like, so, like, because to me, I think, if anything, because I don't, I don't have a concern about his rebounding. I don't have his concern about his passing, his stealing, his ability to guard. Like, I don't have concerns because I think those are going to be there. But offensively is where, like AJ was saying earlier, where it's like if he can get unlocked at, feel comfortable, because we've talked about it a million times. Anybody that's had a serious injury that's had surgery, whether you're a normal person or a high, a world-class athlete, there is always a moment in your head when you're re- when you're getting back out there that you kind of sometimes test and second guess your your injury and like uh, there's a level of confidence at which you're like okay in my mind I know I want to go do this but I don't know if my body's going to let me do it and you just and and your and your actions show that you're being timid and scared and if that is oh if that part is much better with Ben Simmons, I think we're going to be very happy. Enough where we can feel comfortable. Uh, is he is he going to be worth his massive contract? I don't know. But I think if he gets past that and you do see the double, you know, the triple doubles again or the double at least like more than 10 points, more than 10 rebounds or assists and he's still like, I, I think people will be much happier. It just... Doing it consistently, doing that consistently, like even with, I used to say this to AJ when we had Clax. I'm like, if Clax could just give me 10 and 10, I'll shut up. Yeah. Right. And he, he reached pretty close to that last season where it was just like, he was consistently putting double, double numbers up. And it was like, and it made such a drastic difference. And I, I look at Ben kind of the same way. Like I'm not even going to put 
that expectation of him returning to Philly bed. I'm just because I don't I don't know that we'll ever see that guy again, but I think you could see a pretty damn near close guy to it. Um, I, I need to see it to believe it. I'm done with what ifs with this team. I really am. Like that's just like people are like, oh, you're gonna eat crow. You're gonna I, I don't care if I'm wrong and he kills it. Great. I will I will clap. I will be like. Good, good for you. You supported him, but there wasn't enough there for me to like go. Oh, Ben, you can do it. Like, nah. I, I especially with this team. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't care if your name's KD, Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. Y'all did some weird ass shit on this team at one point that made us go, "What if? What if Harden wasn't a fat ass? What if KD, Kyrie actually got the shot? What if KD didn't kept getting hurt every? Like, there was always something. So. Yeah, we'll see. Did you have any thoughts, AJ? I know you were going to jump in on on Ben Simmons before I I jump in a little bit. No, go ahead, go ahead, bro. Yeah. I was I was going to say that I think I have I've said this a lot. Obviously, the the kinship that I I irrationally probably feel towards Ben Simmons is because of you know being an Aussie native, being an, an export of no, in, in a similar way to Paddy Mills, but I think Ben Simmons has just like the highest end of talent that in terms of basketball that we've ever seen. Like, this guy's made an all-NBA team. This guy's an, an NBA all-star. Like, that's not easy to do. Like, and not many players do that in the history of this of this league. So, I think, one, I want him to get back so, like, he's obviously contributing and awesome for the Nets and maybe he comes a trade piece or whatever. But also, as that little Aussie in me, I'm like, hopefully he gets back so then in 2024, we might steal a medal from you guys when it comes to, to the Paris Olympics. But I, I think that overall, like... That six-game stretch in, in November, like, I was trying to find, like, just look through his, his game log through the year and go, all right, wh- where was Ben, like, really contributing? And I think both of you alluded to, like, the offensive limitations and offensive uh, mindset that he sort of had or lack thereof. And now we're getting so much news from ESPN via, obviously, Ben's camp, whether it's his agents or whoever else it might be. And that's great. And I want to believe it. But as Saint alluded to and, and AJ's alluded to, and as I've alluded to, like it's it's still just like show me bef- before you tell me or show me once you've told me. And like we so you said like so many question marks and all that sort of thing. Like he's Ben 10, but like I don't know if there's ever been a player who's had a question mark instead of a number, but I think Ben Simmons could be the first ever player to have a punctuation mark being the question mark instead of the number 10 for him on his jersey because that's just what he's been as a Brooklyn net. You know, in, in Philly, you know, are we going to get back to that? I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to deep diving because Nick and I are going to maybe do a bit of a, a series of episodes on Ben Simmons and, and what he can do. But, you know, if you take out... Tyler Hero, which we've discussed uh, a, a little bit on this episode, but and you focus on just Ben Simmons and and what he could provide, like intangibly, you know the numbers that I alluded to, what he's produced before. It's we spoke about this team and sort of the floor and ceiling is pretty narrow, you know, ten to six, nine to six, whatever. Ben Simmons' floor to ceiling is like the high end of the Sistine Chapel and the bottom of the magma Earth's core. Like, we just don't know. Like, it's just that the variables are, are so extreme. And look, I'm – and I think Saints alluded to this quite a bit, and I always share a similar mindset because occasionally one, two, all three of us can get called out for our takes or whatever. And if we're wrong and the Nets are better – like, we're happy about that shit. Like, if Sean Marks ends up being, like, a championship GM, 
Ben Simmons ends up being an all-star. Spencer Dimity ends up having like the best point, you know, uh, uh, assist to turnover ratio again. Like we're all going to be happy about that because it means the Nets are good. We ultimately want the Nets to be good, but I think we're critical because we all want that. Like we want that so much, and obviously this season uh, we might be a little bit less critical because the stakes aren't as high. But when the stakes were championship level, that's where it's just like okay. The little things do matter. The X's and O's matter. Maybe not having a 6'10", 6'11", rebounding big is going to affect the team that much this year. But in seasons past, it has. And maybe in two or three seasons' time where the Nets might be in the contending sort of window and they add another maybe superstar to this to this team, that's when the X's and O's are going to matter a little bit. But ultimately, Ben Simmons can impact this team in, in, a, in a big way. Will he? question mark let's just look it it's, it's just will he like that that's it at the end of the day but yeah let's uh, uh should we move on to uh, any other final ben simmons thoughts before we get to to mikhail one, one thought Go. can we call him can we call him ben five and a half not ben ten yet yeah like, I, I, <laughs> he's not there yet like i need to see it then i then we can call him ben ten he can morph into whatever player he wants to be but we want yeah, the best no, event. We want the best. No, I, but you're, I will say this. You, you're, I mean, you're right. Like, I mean, listen, just as a fan, forget even being content creator, being podcast, like whatever. Like at the end of the day, it's like I'm a fan. If I see something, whether I'm right or wrong, like at the end of the day, I don't it, – it doesn't – there's things we all see and sometimes we follow that train of thought and that's what you put out there. And maybe at one point your thought was right, but things do change, right? Like we've seen it throughout the season. Things change within the game. Things change on the team. Players change, injuries, whatever. And they go, it's the same thing as a fan just talking about like what you see and what you think is wrong or a certain player that you're just, you don't, you don't have confidence in anymore. And it's like, that's okay. That's my right. Like I, you're telling me that there's players that look at Ben 10. I'm, I'm not saying on the nets, but just in general, I think I'll bet you there's some players that look at him and are been like, yeah, I don't know if he's ever going to be the same again. We like haven't he, heard that though. Same. What the no, no, I said from the nets, but I said, not from the nets. I said, the nets have been great. Like they yeah, have interesting. all the players. And I, but I think that's good because I do, I do the, the early debate about Ben was, is it, is it really just the back or is there mental going on, right? Like when he got here and then spent time here, those debates went on forever about his mental and his health. And it's like, I think his teammates are doing the right thing. They're backing him up. They're showing him support. They're letting him know they're there for him. They're changing that that negative energy that was in Philadelphia. So I get that. But at the same time, I'm sure there's other players in the NBA that look over and may have a different take, you know, but, and I just look at the same thing with fans. Like some are a hundred percent supportive and think everything's going to work out. But then there's some of us like you guys, if we talk where it's just like, you need to see it. You can't like, just, I'm sorry. Like this team has not given me the ability to have blind faith in that. That's the best way to say it. Like no player, no team. Like, no, like you don't get my blind faith right now. <laughs> No, and and that's the the nature of fandom at the end of the day. But I've got I might have maybe not blind faith, but <clears throat> pretty close to a high amount of faith in in a guy called Mikhail Bridges, who's going to be one of the leaders of Team USA, who's been balling out over there, you know, in their little mini training camps before FIBA basketball starts for you guys. 
what can we expect from him next season? Because, you know, I hate to be this the shameless sort of self-promoter, but I, I someone, I think it might have been, been Shane from Nets Man Up or something, put out, you know, the Jalen Brown and Mikael Bridges, like, contract comparison. And I'm like, well, let me look at the numbers. And these are the numbers that I, that I put out on, on Twitter. As a Brooklyn net, Mikael Bridges has averaged this. 26.1 points on nearly 48% from the field, nearly 38% from three, 54% a field goal percentage, four and a half rebounds, 2.7 assists, and a steal. Jalen Brown, who made all NBA and is earning ungodly amounts of money and all power to him. You know, it's, it's awesome to see these guys get, get that money. But in the numbers that he produced, just a little more when it came to the points, 26.6. Was more efficient from the field, 49.1 uh, field goal percentage. Was less efficient from three, 33.5% uh, from three. But had a, a, around the same 55 a field goal percentage. Uh, a better rebounder, 6.9 rebounds. A better playmaker, 3.5 assists. And slightly better with the steals. But those numbers are negligible. AJ, like, that's an all a third-team All-NBA player. And I'm not saying Mikael Bridge is going to be an All-NBA player. But I'm not not saying it either. Am I wrong? Am I too? Is my blind faith irrational? Am I rationally high on Brooklyn Bridges? I think, um, well, Mikhail has the has the ability to be all NBA. I think everybody's kind of expecting him to go into that role now because now he's finally, we saw what he did half of the year. Now he's got to prove to us. He's got to prove to the world that he can be what we saw at that last end of the party year the whole season. This is the year to prove it that, yo, I can do this. I can be all NBA. I can average 27 on 50, 40, 90, and I can show the world what's up. So I think he has the ability and the talent to do it. It's just putting it together during the season, going through those highs and lows of the year and balancing out those. Because he's going to be available. We know he's going to be available to do it. It's just putting up the points. And this is where I was worried about the point guard situation because we're going to need a point guard to set Mikhail up. You know, even though Mikhail is not really the best shot creator, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say this. That's a, he's, she can shot create, but he doesn't um, – he needs to be set up. He needs to be set up, you know what I'm saying, to come off ball. You know he's effective off ball. That's more of his um, bag. So it's like it, Spencer's got to be able to put him in his spots. Ben's got to be able to put him in his spots and get him all, get his shots. So that's what I'm more worried about for Mikhail to be the at the best he can be. Um, but I think you're right, Jack. I think he's he's on his way to be All-NBA, man. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I mean, AJ just said it right there. The thought that I had was, I, I don't, can he be better than he was last year? Most definitely. Uh, I'm not, I don't know where I'm at yet on like all NBA, like all-star level, right? Like I'm, I'm not there yet in my head. Like I think he is very close, but a large part of it is going to come down to like AJ just said is like, how is this team going to set him up? Right? Like we cannot have hero ball Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, (laughs) We can't like sometimes it works. Sometimes it works out, but there were a lot of times towards the end where you're just like, He's not why is, to Mikhail. Why is why Mikhail not, yeah. not involved? Yeah. Like why? Like so, I think a large part of it is going to depend on game plan. What does this coaching staff set forward? How are they going to run the ball? Who's it going to go through? Like at like it, just all those questions of like what are they going to do for Mikhail to make him succeed? I definitely think there is a level that he can create his own shot, but I don't. I don't I think from what I saw last year, like he has his moments where that doesn't work out. Right. He either goes, does he, yeah. he either goes ghost, it doesn't he doesn't make the shot, or somebody good defensively gets on him and and he's gotta be able to pass he passes the ball. So I I'm with AJ man. It's all about what are they gonna do to set McCallum? Is he gonna become the main focal point of the offense? Are they actually gonna play it that way? Are they gonna just try to be like this massively versatile run and gun and whoever's open gets the ball to I, I don't know. Like it, it, you oh to add this, because in one of his most recent interviews, I'm not sure if it was with the title league or was it the Paul George? I can't remember where he Podcast talked about, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. He really talked about setting his other teammates up. Yeah, like he talked about being unselfish. So it's going to be interesting to see where he's at like that. Like I, I, I can't imagine the Nets not having a player like him and not wanting him to be a massive focal point of the offense. But at the same time, he is a player that can do so many different things. He can attack the basket. He can. Pay. He's a good passer. He plays good defense. Like there's so many different avenues that he can do. It's going to be interesting to see how how they play that. But yeah, the thing that I'm high on with his offense is what we saw was he gets to the free throw line a lot. He gets easy buckets, and yeah. he hits those easy buckets a lot. Like I think it was like him and Dame were like 
out of the guys that averaged, I think it was seven or five plus, you know, free throws. He was one of the few guys that averaged 90% plus when he got to the line. So there's easy money for him. And the pull-up three is something that we saw in spurts, but I felt pretty confident about, you know, the, the fluidity on it. It was just sort of like, you know, that sort of KD pull-up. And he's got a, a really nice shooting form. You know, he's got a high release. It's going to be about what you alluded to, Saint, the creation for others. Because 2.7 assists is, is fine. But, you know, Jalen Brown, who is a guy who's not known for his playmaking in any stretch of the imagination, average 3.5 assists. You know, he needs to beef that number up to four, four and a half, maybe five. I think that might be a little bit lofty. But it'll be about, you know, a lot of other variable factors that, that are surround him about the team. You know, a guy's getting him open. But I want the ball in his hands a lot because, you know, AJ mentioned, like, he was, like, being ghosted. Like, he was out there. Like, why in, in so many stretches, like, I think the most frustrating thing to end, like, last year was I just wanted to see, like, Mikael Bridges be given the ball and be given those reps and, like, be given those late-game reps all the time so he could figure it out. So then coming into this season when he has the burden of 82 games of being the league guy on both ends of the floor, I think it, the fact that the Nets look better as a defensive cohesive unit, that should be positive. And hopefully Ben comes back so it lessens the burden for Mikael so he's not doesn't have to be... Kawhi Leonard, and he can be more like a, a Paul George-ish, Jalen Brownish sort of guy, where the, the number one assignment isn't always his, and I think Clax can do that as well. He's an, uh, an incredible defender, but yeah, I think Team USA is going to be fun for him too, because we see a lot of Team USA experiences and, and national team experiences impact positively on the the way that those guys head into their regular season, because you know, him, Anthony Edwards, Jalen Brunson, those are the Palo Benchero, Bancaro are three or four best players that are at Team USA right now. And, and it's obviously not Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, you know, Jason Tatum, but you know, that's a team that can easily win a gold. And, and that's a, a team where I think I think Mikhail's going to really benefit for having those reps, being a sort of lead guy, you know, being in the training camp and you know, being and just getting that leadership on and off the court. I think that's going to impact him really positively. I know other people have said this, but I'm just going to copy and paste. I think hopefully that should hold him in good stead heading into what is going to be you know, a, a season for him where he's going to have high levels of responsibility and burden on him. Yeah, good question for you. Slightly off topic. Spencer Dinwiddie, if the, if the roster is as is to start the season, is he starting or is he coming off the bench? Yeah, I think, look, I think a lot of people are saying like Simmons and Clax, and then it's just like, it's Spencer, it's Mikhail and it's Camp. I think those are the Nets five best players on paper, but on paper, that doesn't totally work because, you know, the Simmons and Clax numbers worked with Katie and Kyrie because those guys were offense unto themselves. Now, Mikhail is okay offensively. Spencer is average offensively. So they can't make up for the weaknesses of the, the offensive weaknesses and offense, lack of offensive creation that, that Ben and Clax have as, as being big guys who can't space at all. Maybe Clax proves me wrong. I'm, I'd be happy to be proven there. But I think that's what the likely starting five will be if Ben is healthy. Now, if Ben isn't healthy, like you, you can throw him whatever. And if Tyler Heroes like, comes in. But you know, with, as it currently stands, I think Spencer has to start. I think... I've been a person that's sort of like similar to you, said reflected a little bit. Man, maybe I was a little bit too hard on Spence because some of his numbers 
like we're okay. Like especially there were like certain stretches where he was like leading the league over ten game stretches in assists to turnover ratio and and in assists in general. He was having ten plus assists on multiple nights and multiple games. So I think if that's the version of Spence that we do get, the Nets it can be a, a pretty good team, and I'll be confident with that. It's just gonna be. I don't want Jaguar to be like us, oh, and, and there to be a semblance of of nepotism and being like, oh, Spencer is our guy. Let's give him the ball. He can run everything. Like, yeah, he can run a lot and he can do quite a bit. But Mikhail's the guy you want the ball in his hands. Like, if like when it came to like uh, clutch in clutch time, like Mikhail Bridges was like third in shots for the Nets. Like he was behind I think Cam Johnson and obviously Spencer Dinwiddie. And Spencer was okay in terms of his efficiency. But I just didn't really care about the numbers. I wanted Mikhail to get it. So if Spencer can have a clear and defined role and be a predominant playmaker and get his own and attack those mismatches and get to the line, kick out, hit the three ball here and there, then he's going to be a really good player. It's just when he like he gets hero ball, like he thinks he's Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant, that's when it's just like, okay, calm down, Spence. You're not that guy. Like You're a good player. But you're just not him. Like you're not him. You have your moments, yeah. yeah like he exactly. has his moments where he hits them, but there's a lot of times where you're like, "Why is Spencer taking that shot?" What do you guys feel about the this? The, I guess to sort of pin it all, because I think Spencer and Mikhail do pin nicely because they were the two most important net, Nets players. I think the point guard position is incredibly important for the Nets, as AJ's alluded to with Dennis Smith Jr. as well. How are you feeling about Spence heading into next year, AJ? I think they're going to start Spence, honestly, in my opinion. I just think they're going to kind of bring Ben off the bench and see how he does. If Ben excels, then he might have a chance. But I think they're going to go with Spence. I think they're going to go with Spence in the starting lineup. And like you said, if he could give us those assists and not play hero ball, I think um, and Saint be talking about this during the season, when Spence plays within the offense and within his role, that's when he's probably the best. You yeah. know, he's, when he gets out of that, that's when it gets hectic. Like when he tries to do too much, that's when like everything falls apart, and you and it notices throughout the team because he's taking bad shots. Mikhail's not getting the ball. Um, he's turning the ball over, and that's when it gets really bad for us. So he's got to just stay in your point guard zone and don't do too much. You know what I'm saying? Give us your be aggressive. Get your ten or twelve points, but stay in that range. Like we don't want you to get. We don't. You don't need to give us. Well, yeah, I don't think you should it give us like twenty or thirty. Going- yeah, it seems yeah. like when he goes over 15 points yeah. and he starts knock, knocking into that 20 range and more, like, it seems like the other stats go down. Like, I yeah. just, I know, I noticed that, like, when he had games where he was, like, I think, and I wish I was super analytical and could pull up and prove my point in my head, but I felt like there was a lot of times I watched games where he had those 10-plus assists and his scoring was like around 15 to 17. Like 18. Right? But then when 18, he has 30, yeah. we lose. <laughs> yeah, but like, and I noticed that like yeah. when he had those like little less scoring game, but the yeah. high, the high, the high assists, a couple steals in there, I felt like I watched a better game when he was in there with McCall and the other guys because it looked like he was really built on trying to run the offense and get the team. And it just, once he got out of that kind of realm of what he was, what I was hoping he would do, I felt like that's when the frustrations came came in. It's like I felt like okay, now you're trying to do way too much, and I I I guess I will say too, it's like you gotta think 
back to when those guys were there because there were a lot of times I saw Spencer trying to run the offense and people were just not getting it. And you can see frustration. He's a guy that, like, if he's frustrated on the court, you'll see it, right? Like, I'm not saying he's going to mother F anybody, but you can see him, like, waving. And if something doesn't, he's like, you. he really, you see it when he complains about his free throws. <laughs> like, he, he's an emotional guy on the court. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but you can tell when he's frustrated. And I, I just always, a good point to say that, AJ, I just always felt like there was that mark with him where once he went past this, you kind of knew what you were going to get from Spencer and it wasn't going to be because I would love Spencer to come off the bench. Right. Like, and that's the thing you don't know if you knew Ben was back a hundred percent to me, Spencer's on the bench. Yeah. And I think he'd be so much better in that role. And I'm just looking yeah. through his game log and I'm trying to really like, I, cause I'm I, doing, yeah, let me pull that up too. So <laughs> like the last five games, like just incredibly, or sorry, the last six games, really in, in small sample size, the Nets went, five and one in the games that he did play and in those games he had 11 assists 12 assists 12 assists six assists six in assists and 14 assists the game where the nets lost to minnesota was the game he had 30 points and six assists yeah. again small sample there you size. go there, no but that's my point like yeah, when he has, when he has 30 it's plus small... it's like weird we we lose i don't know why it's like that and i yeah. think some of it is as well because the other guys can't score like like with the Nets that yeah, have, but that's, uh, yeah. like Royce and, and like Royce and DFS aren't hitting their shots, so Spencer has to take that that extra burden because Royce has been streaky, DFS has been streaky, you know, and I think that it, it's going to be interesting because I think Spencer can have such a positive effect on this team. I think he's you know a really smart, high IQ player as well, and I think almost a, a healthy Ben Simmons or or Tyler Hero will acclimate you know Spencer to being in a in a more ideal role while obviously every guy wants to have the ball in their hands a lot and wants to to, to be that sort of dude and he, he can do that he he did that a couple of seasons ago in brooklyn and was a fringe all all-star contender he probably was a, a more credible all-star contender than d'angelo russell was in, in when he got it so spencer has all the talent in the world he's obviously incredibly smart it's just like yeah, he just needs to rein it in every now and then. I, I think he's going to be a really positive player for the Nets next season. It's just like if we're complaining about him taking too many shots and the same things happen, like that's when it's just like, oh, come on, like we, 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 we've seen this before. Like we know, we know how this story ends. So hopefully, yeah, there's just some individual growth, some team growth overall about how this team works individually and as a cohesive unit. Yeah, I agree. Any final thoughts, lads? This has been a bumper episode. I've had always have so much fun chatting with you guys. With this (laughs) This might be your longest episode, bro. It's so good, man. And like, look, there's nothing to talk about. We still have to find a way to chat for over an hour. When you said you wanted to talk, I was like, dude, I really haven't been paying attention. Like, I really like. I haven't really been like watching stuff. I haven't been like keeping up on things like I normally do. Like, I really just, I, I took the summer off. I'm like, I'm just going to get out of this because I know where the direction it's going. And I'm okay with it, right? Um, I just, I do think you were going to have a moment like the Nets are having this offseason where um, the biggest, I'll say this is my last thing. My biggest frustration watching so far since the offseason has been this thing where people just wanted us to get Dame because they didn't want us to be mid. 
right? And I looked at it, you know, maybe it's my age, maybe it's as long as I've been, um, but I'm looking at it as like, here you are once again as, as, a, as a Nets fan watching your team. You've got picks, you have the ability to move off a bunch of contracts to create money. Um, you got a lot of young guys, you got a lot of upset, like you're in a good spot, right? Like we, you're in a good spot to do something either the following season in free agency, or you're in a perfect spot for middle of the season trade, something big. And it's like, I just didn't want us to go right back into what we've been doing, trying to swing for the fences and hope for the best. At least I feel comfortable about some stability of what we have right now. And we've kept the options open. And that's partly what kind of like made me feel a little bit better. Like, okay, hey, we're not going to just go all in right now before the season and then be like, oh, shit, what's going to happen? Right. And then play all the same games, trying to find budget players here and there, do this and. No, we're going into a season. We got some good things exciting. We have to see how Ben is. We have to see that. We're in a very good position as a team to go any direction we want. We want to blow it up. We can do it and get more assets. We want to go for it. We're in that position to do it. So uh, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. It's been a little slow, but I'm, I'm ready. I can't wait till um, till preseason at least kicks in to start like really seeing what you got, get some guys out there playing. So, um, yeah, I know you didn't bring it up, but whatever draft picks this year, eh, Wilson's cool. Um, he'll be a ready-made guy for us at some point. Whitehead, who knows clowny. I'll see you next season. Hey, AJ, how, <laughs> how you feeling about the net overall? You can throw in some draft stuff. Next. You can, Oh man, I mean, say body that man. I, that's well said, bro. Like I, he said everything. I, um, like I said, I, I don't got I don't got super expectations for this team. I just want to watch exciting basketball and good basketball. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be depressed being a Nets fan. I don't want to be that Nets fan. Like, oh my god, what are we doing every night? You know, I want to watch good basketball. I don't want to have to go to watch other games of other teams and be like, oh, this is good basketball, and then come back and watch my <laughs> team and be like, what are we doing? Like, what is this? <laughs> that's that's the only thing I'm looking for when, I, when we, I'm going to games. You know, I'm going to be at the Clays, going to games. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready, man. I'm ready for this, this, this. Like Saint said, we have so much, like, assets and trades, and we could we have so much assets that we could really make any type of move we really want to. And we are flexible, so that's that's the good part. That's the positive part. Even though we didn't get a star, and if we don't get Tyler Hero, then that's the positive outlook that I'm happy about. That we still have the assets to do to make something happen. But yeah, yeah, we're not we're, we're not we're not screwed like when John Marks took over. Like we're not in yeah. that that position. And I think that's what makes this feel for me a little bit better. Is that like, yeah, it just sucked to watch what we went through, lose all those players. It'd be probably one of the biggest jokes in NBA history. But look where we are. We're in a very good spot. And if you only care about wins and you only care about just being entertained for that season, then this season's not for you. But if you're a longevity looking at the fan, hoping that the team makes championship caliber moves, like we're in a great spot. 
Now it's up to Sean Marks. Now it's up to that coaching staff. Now it's up to you guys. You keep saying all these things. You keep making all these. This is what we want to do. All right. Well, just like with Ben Simmons, I, I need to see it. Put up, shut up. Otherwise, like you're just. You're doing the same shit every season and, and making an excuse. We are ready, Netsworld. AJ, tell everyone where they can find you, YouTube, Twitter, all Instagram, all the platforms. Saint, do the same. Because if you're not following these guys, every single place you have a social media platform, YouTube, you are doing it wrong. Yeah, appreciate you guys, man. Uh, Brooklyn Buzz, so much love. Shout out to Nick. Um, and you can find us on netskingdom.net online type in netskingdom.net online and then we're on all social platforms you type in netskingdom on youtube we're on youtube make sure you subscribe to that and then on instagram it's netskingdom one um twitter um netskingdom aj and then saint you can be found saint at saint net one um shoot saint a follow also on twitter he does good spaces and uh, he's a good follow on twitter love you uh, guys always saint I'll just, my friend i'll just add one thing if you have any for whatever reason, whether you want to put something on on the show, you want to come on the show, or whatever, whatever it is, netskingdom at gmail.com. Anything you want to talk about, something read on on the show, whatever you want, just email me at netskingdom.gmail. But hey, yeah, Jack, I always love talking to you. Sorry, Nick, you're not here. I know you're being the stand-up dad. Um, Look forward to doing this again with you guys, and hopefully Nick. Nick, bring the baby next time. Like, I don't care. Just put the baby right here. He I did that last episode speak. with me. It was fun. Do yeah. it again. <laughs> Appreciate you baby, guys. Yeah. I love you, you guys so much. And as always, make sure you're hitting those guys up. Subscribe to the Brooklyn Buzz on all podcast platforms, and we ride, Nets World. Let's go.